amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Watch The Atheist Experience live Sundays at 4.30 p.m. Central. Visit tiny.cc slash YTAXP and call into the show at 512-991-9242 or connect to the show online at tiny.cc slash call AXP. It's time to get sexy on Secular Sexuality. Hello and welcome to Secular Sexuality, the ACA show asking porn, huh? What is it good for? Tonight I'm joined by nonprofit and culture nerd Laura McGee. Welcome back, Laura. Oh, hi. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> Absolutely. And uh, good God, y'all, with us again is our favorite sinner. Welcome back, Sin Sage. Hello. Happy to be here. <laughs> All right. Well, tonight we have some questions. What is porn? How is porn? And even why is porn? This is an interestingly vague yet socially and culturally important question. And people answer in many, many, many different ways. So give us a call with your thoughts and questions at... 512-991-9242 or hit us up at tiny.cc slash call sex because the show is coming right now. Well, this week, more than perhaps any other week, I'm in such a hurry to rush to the interview that I'm almost tempted to skip what's turning us on this week, but it's almost perfectly part of the interview, right? Because we're we're talking tonight about like, what is something that turns us on? Like, how do we categorize these things? Like, are these things porn or not? And what does that mean? So, uh, Laura, let me start with you. What's got you worked up this week? Absolutely. Well, what's turning me on this time is food and in many different ways right so i've heard christy say it many many times before that you know like if you have a date night you have the fun first and the food later so there's always that like food as a yeah first food later (laughs) and that's a great recharger afterwards right to like get you all fueled back up but food is great for before after and during so things like whipped cream in safe places that aren't going to cause infections yes Um, a little drizzle (laughs) here and there some flavored lube that is safe for all those places um that is what's in me on this week awesome yeah uh sin what's got you worked up right now uh yeah so i wanted to talk about this podcast that i found um it is called good girls talk about sex um mm-hmm. and leah carey is the host um you can find the twitter at good girls talk 
Um, but yeah, the, the podcast is everywhere you get your podcasts. And what it is, is about um, women of uh, all ages talking about sort of, there's like almost a standard sort of interview questions that she's got. Um, and you just talk about like sexual history, uh, you know, uh, childhood up through like sexual relationships. And, you know, the goal of this podcast, from what I can tell, is definitely about just being more open about sexuality and about having these conversations and how that empowers us, you know, in many different ways, but, Mm -hmm. um, you know, especially as women and we can be raised to like that we don't talk about these things. And of course that's, that's all genders, but, um, but yeah, so I think like encouraging that conversation. And then I think for people to hear these conversations as just listeners, like that's so powerful and people can be, oh my gosh, I thought that was just me sort of thing. So I just think that's so positive. And yes, I have filled out an application to be a guest on that podcast. So. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I'll, uh, I'll keep an eye out for that episode. No, that sounds like a, a great time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, like that show, this show is one that uh, when Dr. Ray started was definitely about destigmatizing sex. Uh, and I think in particular, pornography. Uh, it's always been part of the mission. So for the past four years doing this show, we have talked about so-called ethical porn. We've talked about porn directed at women. We've talked about porn directed by women. Uh, we've talked to sex educators, to role players, to addiction specialists and out of control sexual behavior therapist, cam artist, hypnotist, audio performers, uh, simulated girlfriends, all kinds of different content creators. And when we first launched this show, uh, I wrote an article for the ACA's magazine talking about the know it when I see it standard that we historically apply to porn. And even after all of that and all of this time, I'd still like to ask y'all a, a pretty straightforward question, which is just what the hell even is porn? <laughs> well, um, you know, I, I think that anything that's, you know, content or media that is designed to titillate, uh, if you will, sure. <laughs> anything that's designed to uh, spark your erotic imagination, um, you know, that, that's porn. And, and so obviously, there's a lot of mainstream movies that utilize that. Um, even commercials sometimes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, it, it's awkward. Like, is there a true line between quote erotica or uh, pornography or uh, just a a nude, a Venus? I mean, like when we start looking at art of any stripe, it gets really messy. Right. I think that the lines are really subjective and really dubious and fuzzy, but I really think that they're culturally defined and I think that it shifts, not just from like time period to time period, but even like person to person within a culture. Because there are like sin hit the nail on the head. Like there are some movies that in any other context that would be considered porn, but because they put it in a rated R movie with a broader context and it's a shorter scene, maybe not the whole point of the movie, we can get away with not calling it porn. But what it does in a person's head is the exact same thing. And the purpose, like what it's conveying is the exact same thing. So I'm right there with sin. I think that porn can be defined in so many different ways, but what is it for the individual that is erotic or I love that she used the word like titillating, like I love it, tantalizing, whatever you want to call it. Like if if it just gets you going. Um, But I think honestly, to me, the more fascinating question is like, what, what is the line between 
what we consider to be appropriate gestures of like sexuality or, or displays of sexuality. And then this this whole like moral gray ground into it's porn, but in a bad way. Right. Right. Yeah. Porn, but in a bad way uh, is, yeah. is definitely a weird one. Uh, I uh, am in a number of different like social media groups with other therapists. And there was a, a question that came up today about a client uh, in a group home setting with you know pretty profound neurological needs who was interested in pornography, but didn't have the ability to access it themselves. And mm-hmm. so uh, it started this chat about like how to appropriately apply, supply resources and things like that. And it was just amazing how many educated professionals, helping professionals whose entire job is centered around uh, caring for people and working to understand people were just blanket statement, all porn is, quote, inappropriate, whatever that even actually means, uh, and completely not okay, particularly for somebody with a, quote, disability. And and that is just so challenging and problematic on so many different levels. I find it dehumanizing. Sure. You know, because yeah. uh, just because someone has a disability or, you know, that they are not allowed to engage in adult activities as adults, like right. they're, not, they're not allowed to have desires, physical, sexual curiosities, even that's dehumanizing. And yeah, in so that so case, really, yeah, I mean, that, that example really points to the way that we sort of generally tend to infantilize uh, folks who oh, have yeah. neurological struggles and, and these different things and see them as uh, like young people in adult bodies rather than adults who, who just have a different form of cognition. But the, the notion that there was no context in which pornography would be appropriate is just incredibly frustrating for me. Well, and it kind of shows that like no matter what profession you're in and no matter your intelligence level, your filters, like those cultural and religious filters that we get raised mm-hmm. with are so strongly embedded in us subconsciously can still impact us. So no matter how good of a, of a therapist you might be, if you have these sort of filters that porn is bad no matter what, you're going to filter all of your clients through that. You're going to filter all of your approaches through that. Mm-hmm. So now you have people who, as much as they can help in any other realm, when it comes to the realm of sex, they become really, they can even be more harmful. Very narrow-minded. And mm-hmm. that's why, you know, for example, that's why, you know, the adult industry uh, several years ago sort of adopted, there's this company called Pineapple Support. And that what it is, is to connect you with sex-positive therapists. So, mm. you know, Know, a lot a lot of us like the general population struggle with you know uh, some mental health issues and things like this and we'll go or even couple stuff that's going on and we'll go to a counselor for help and we'll be like okay so we're both in the adult industry and we're exploring non-monogamy and then the therapist is like well there's your problem there they are yeah right. yeah yeah. End of conversation. Better. Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like we we have to then struggle to find who will accept that that's a part of us and then work to help us solve these issues with that being a part of our lives and, and who we are, you know. Um, so it, it's it's challenging for everyone to, you know, to have that open mind, like as a even as a therapist i mean therapists are human beings still with all those cultural filters and all that stuff so no question i mean the the stories that i hear from folks who become my clients when they mention you know the twist and turns of plot that brought them to me it, it makes sense to me why folks whose issues have nothing to do with their sexuality want to come to me just because they know they're not going to be judged because they are also a sex worker i mean maybe they're wanting to go to mm-hmm. therapy because they want to mourn the loss of a 
a parent and I don't in particular specialize in grief work, but they know that I'm not going to judge them. And and there's a, a lot of that kind of dynamic going on. Yeah. Well, that when, makes me wonder, not just with people in the sex industry, but with people who are struggling with something sex related, who are also looking for a therapist. Like you said, even if the specific problem that they're looking for doesn't have anything to do with sex, but they know that that's part of their dynamic and it's going to come up, whether it's their sexual behaviors or like sexuality. How often are people shying away from medical help because they don't want to have to divulge that information or because they're 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 going to be shamed for it or fear that they are? Yeah. yeah, no question. Well, uh, getting back to our conversation about porn, I, I guess I'm wondering if there are any particular ingredients that feel necessary. You know, does it have to include nudity? Does it have to include direct references to sex or sexual acts or, or power dynamics or, quote, eroticism, wh- whatever that word actually <laughs> ends up meaning? Uh, is there anything vital to that word pornography? Well, yeah, I mean, I think it does have to be exploring sexuality or sensuality on some level, right? Um, you know, and I, I guess it is just like erotica, porn. I mean, I, I think these there are the same things, but it's like Laura was saying, there depends on the filter. It's, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. it's different for every person. Um, something that's really interesting to me is like, is porn art? And, you know, yeah. my definition of art has got to be super broad. Um, so what, what does it have to include to be porn? It's hard to say. But when I'm like reaching out to a new model, you know, I'll say to them, like the type of work that I know I'm going to want them to do is explicit or and or mm. hardcore. So mm. I'm like, do you do hardcore explicit, not just, you know, right. wrestling or softcore? Um, and that to me means like you're seeing a person's genitals, like mm-hmm. definitely going to see the whole thing. Um <laughs> So, but that's not quite the same as, you know, saying, is it porn? Um, I mean, if it has that, yes, definitely. Sure. I don't think it needs that to be porn, but again, that's that sort of wavy line. Well, and when it comes to video content, we at least have enough of a cultural lexicon. We we talk so much about mm-hmm. genre and we all recognize the difference between streaming and broadcast and uh, right. these 30 minute quote yeah. comedies and these hour long <laughs> quote dramas and, you know, these uh, kind of somewhat arbitrary arbitrary, but at least culturally agreed upon lines. But when we mm-hmm. start branching out from video, I mean, is uh, is erotic audio pornography is, you know, a dime store novel. I, I think generally on some of these things, we would say yes. But as you get further and further afield, I mean, YouTube, as we all know, despises the notion of sex or people talking about things like pornography on their platform. Mm-hmm. Sorry. Uh, but <laughs> there are countless ASMR role play, romantic, right. or erotic, et cetera, et yeah. cetera. And a lot of those feature different power dynamics. A lot of those feature what we might broadly refer to as kink. Is that yeah. porn? Like, well, it, it gets really messy. A kink is a great point, too, that I wanted to bring up a little bit is that like I make, you know, half of the custom videos that I make, it's like we remain fully clothed the entire time. I think I made one where I was like pretending that a ghost was beating me up. And so I was throwing myself around the room. I was wearing jeans. You know, it had to be jeans. It had to be sneakers, like a specific, but I was fully clothed and I was just throwing myself around the room. And that was the clip. Is that porn? I mean, I feel 100% sure that someone is jerking off to it. Is that what makes it? porn yeah so is is porn in the eye of the beholder 
you know, if you're watching that like PG, PG 13 movie and everybody is kissing and that's something that you go back and rewind, you are by yourself. Maybe you're at a young age having like one of your first erotic experiences. Is that pornography now in your mind, even if it's the same family movie that you comfortably watched with your grandparents earlier that night? That's why I think that. That's why I think that with so many terms, it has to be taken really, really loosely. And we have to understand context, right? Because there's what's porn to this specific individual, meaning what turns them on. And like, literally, there's as many different triggers to turn someone on as there are people on this planet. Sure. Um, and so then there's there's that. And then there's also the what do we kind of culturally categorize as porn for the purposes of like, say, say, um, categorizing for does it belong on Netflix or does it belong on Pornhub or, you know, like, <laughs> how do we how do we keep certain types of media away from certain age groups or demographics? Right. And so we have this sort of more rigid definition of porn that I still think is somewhat subjective. But um, I think that the best way to oversimplify that and discuss like, quote unquote, what is porn culturally is is the main purpose of it to elicit like sexual desire and sexual um, mm, mm-hmm. like stimulation, right? And that could be... Does it like, have like redeeming artistic thing. value outside of its erotic components it is often a right. framework that's used oh. legally, but right. artistic value, totally quote subjective. unquote, right? <laughs> yeah, like that's, a, that's a really like challenging like notion. Thinking a lot about yeah. Fifty Shades of Grey, right? I was and just going to mention that. Why is it not porn? Yeah. Right. I mean, you see some, some fairly, I mean, I mean, does I Bridgerton like have artistic value outside of the sexuality? That's a, that's a valid question, right? Right. And for some, it probably does, but. Sure. Well, with uh, all of this being so vague and, and difficult to nail down, I guess it makes a certain amount of sense that porn is frequently a area of argument between couples. Uh, like what is a acceptable form of porn in your relationship and where should we be drawing the lines? Should we be drawing the lines for each other? I mean, how do you all feel about the, the bodily autonomy and, and just sort of like the relational ethics of pornography? I feel really strongly about this, but I'm going to give. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> um, yeah, I mean, I, I have some some strong feelings a, about those things. I, I think that, you know, wh- when someone when we're in a partnership and a relationship, like we have to really let go of this idea that we control not only the body of our partner, but also the mind of our mm, partner. Sure. Um, we, we really have to realize that like as much as our little egos want us to be the only thing that exists in our partner's life, like <laughs> that's a huge burden on top of the fact of it being absolutely impossible. <clears throat> it's a standard that like no human being could possibly live up to. So I think that, um, yeah, letting people like view things and watch things and think about things like, like it's okay for my partner to be thinking about someone else when he's having sex with me. Like that's all right. <laughs> I don't need to hear about right. it or whatever, sure. but I'm not, I, I can't be inside his mind. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. I mean, we can talk about like mindfulness and sex and we can talk about, you know, how we don't necessarily need to tell our partners everything that we're thinking, particularly how unkind that notion of like, like radical, violently aggressive honesty can be. Uh, But yeah, it's important to remember that we 
are never made healthier by aggressively and violently policing our thoughts. And we don't owe anybody our thoughts. Yes. Well, and I think I think that we make the mistake in the society a lot of having this really strong, rigid, what we call like the marriage contract, right? Like it almost binds a person to you um, and in a way that's very rigid and unchanging, um, especially as people change over the years. But as it specifically pertains to porn, um, the way that I think it should be handled, not that it is oftentimes, is sure. that each each individual is free to be that individual within the relationship. Your job is not to tell them what to do, what to say, what to think, what to feel, what to watch in terms of porn. Your job is to determine is that acceptable to me? And is that something that I want in my life? Is that a person that I want to be around? And if that's uncomfortable for you, that's your line to draw, but not in terms of limiting the individual, but in terms of you determining what presence you want to have in that individual's life, right? So like, I don't have any problem with with porn for any, like my partner, me, whatever. But if an individual does, it's not to say you are not allowed to watch porn. It's to say, I'm uncomfortable with you watching porn. Now let's talk mm, about sure. it. Sure. Right. And now let's talk about it being like the key. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Well, let's discuss it. And I get to determine whether yeah. or not I can ultimately get over it or if I'm going to leave the right. relationship. Right. I mean, I think that's fair. Uh, I mean, using that framework, is it unethical or inappropriate or unhealthy to end a relationship or to not enter into a relationship because your partner or the person you're interested in is, you know, a huge Nickelback fan and is obsessed <laughs> with Dane Cook or, or something like that? Like, is it wrong to want to break up with somebody because of the media that they consume or to, to label people in that way? I mean, no. I feel like it's a... a... <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, so, you know... so Dane Cook and German dungeon porn, like those are my boundaries and <laughs> I'm not yucking anybody else's yum. I just don't want to be in relationship with that. Okay, the way you just now put it, uh, <clears throat> I can understand a little bit more. But it, I don't know, it feels like a little a little bit, I don't know if shallow is the right word. Like, I mean, there are things that I love and I'm like, I wish my partner loved these things as much mm -hmm. as I did. Sure. But I accept the fact that it's not for him. And like, we're two separate human beings and that is okay. <laughs> well, and, and yeah. maybe if uh, we play with it a little bit more, it might be, quote, tacky to, to break up with your partner because their favorite comedian is not your favorite comedian. But if your partner is uh, like a religious Joe Rogan listener or something along those lines, okay. now all of a sudden it might feel like that's that's not so much an ethical gray area, or at least it's right. acceptable to draw that line for yourself. Well, see, that's the thing is it's always going to be subjective, but we tend to think that we don't have as much control over choosing our partners as we really do. And I think a lot of it comes down to fear and insecurity and not wanting to be alone, right? Sure. But as shallow as that person is who doesn't want to date somebody because they like Nickelback, get on with it. Be shallow. Like, do it because <laughs> if that's who you are, you like, be who you are. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because that partner also probably could benefit from not having you as their partner, right? Um, because you're now bringing also a dynamic that might not be the healthiest for them. So I say like people can be as arbitrary and and shallow and silly as they want with their expectations. What I would like to see is just people being more clear with their expectation, right? Yeah. Um, no, I, I think that that's good relational to... ethics, you know, to, yeah. to be explicit about your lines, to live and let live, but to be willing yeah. to walk away and not have that scarcity mindset around love, to be able to end a relationship without calling that relationship a failure or like yeah. other or demonizing Hi. your ex. I mean, all of that makes good sense to me, but on maybe less of an ethical, but but perhaps like a moral 
level as you are trying to negotiate and renegotiate and maintain and compromise a long-standing relationship how how appropriate is it to say you know no more opera in the house or you know <laughs> no more like bbw content in the garage like are there lines that we should or should not be allowed to to maybe ask for or to communicate to our partners in that way that's so interesting um it, it's well, especially, you know, when you're talking about like, you know, for example, like no more BBW content. Okay. So I could see a partner coming at that to their partner and being like, I don't like the way that, you know, these bodies are being fetishized. Watch other sure. stuff. But, or it makes me feel challenged around my own body dysphoria right. or my right. desirability and, and these things. I mean, th- there's a, there's yes. a potential space for that. I, I think but I think it has to be done with that sort of open-minded conversation because again, mm-hmm. like ultimately we're talking about what's going on in some mind. And it's like for me to tell my partner, like that makes me have all these feelings. So don't do it anymore. And then that person's like probably in their head knows now I have to find a way to do this without my partner knowing about it because I can't change what their kinks are, their fetishes or their turn-ons. Like no matter how much I tell them that, like I can't change that for them. And for most people, those things are pretty hardwired, like what like. Um, so I don't think we can expect that to change either. I, I think the boundaries, um, knowing your boundaries when you enter into a relationship it, are extremely important. Like, so when I started my relationship with my partner, the second fucking date, I was like, kids, politics, religion. We're talking about this now because those are my hard boundaries, right? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> Before I get too attached to you and start, start making concessions. Yeah. Oh, yeah, exactly. Mm. And yeah. I don't want to be, you know, three years in and he's like, okay, well now let's get married. And then we get married and say, like, okay, well, when are we making kids? It's like, oh shit, I didn't want to hold the phone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's like, we need to be talking about that. And I feel like it's the same um, before you enter into uh, long-term commitments. I mean, that you kind of need to talk about porn a little bit. Like yeah. a- after your sexual relationship has started, um, maybe you don't need to lay it all out on the table and be like, okay, I like when I like watching girls piss and guys mouths or whatever um but that conversation needs to be had especially about like consumption of porn and stuff like that i think it's really important yeah and i I do think that there's a lot of space for recognizing that anytime we spend you know one minute doing something it's a minute not spent doing something else and i do think that it's reasonable to have requests if not demands of our partner's time and attention and things like that not to mention just shared living space you know the idea of like loud pornography being played uh, while the kids are in the house or while you're in a work meeting or, you know, all of these kinds of things. There's space to work around each other so long as we're actually doing the work of working around each other and communicating about what we need without bringing a bunch of like shame or judgment into that space. Yeah, I was going to say a lot of it comes down to being willing to negotiate because not any one partner is going to get 100% of what they want. And so it's not a matter of like, oh, well, you're doing this in the garage and now suddenly I'm not okay with it. And so it needs to stop, right? Mm-hmm. Like no, nobody's going to exactly get what they want or I'm going to do it in the garage whether you like it or not. And that's all there is to it, right? There has to be a lot of like give and take and negotiation and compromises. But um, but Sin brought up a really good point when she mentioned that the kinks and like there are certain things that are in a way non-negotiable because it's who the person is, right? Like yeah. if they have a partner who's say like bisexual and they're like, well, I only want you to be straight, right? And like, I don't want you to talk about your bisexuality I don't want you to like say that there's a hot girl on the screen. You can only say hot guys, you know, like, or whatever the lines are. Like, you can't really change who a person is. And so in that respect, there's no negotiation. Yeah. Like, it's it's just, 
here's who I am. Take me or leave me. And we have to be more willing um, to have that harder conversation when when negotiations ultimately aren't going to be helpful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. And I know that like, uh, you know, if, if I'm in a, if we're having sex, we're doing a sexual encounter, like uh, maybe I'm like really into watching my partner do some jerking off, but I don't want like as much as he doesn't want to be caught. I don't want to catch him, catch him, you know, but like, so his concession is that, and it's not even a wild one, but you know, when I, when he knows I'm going to be gone from the house for several hours and he's going to be here, I just know in my head, he's watching porn and jerking off and that's fine. You know, like (laughs) I think it's it's healthy. Yeah. But you know, I'm just like, please just don't like go in the other room and do it while I'm in the room, you know, just wait until you've got a little space or you're in the shower and I'm leaving you alone like you know what I mean and I think again those those concessions and those um, compromises like it's not too difficult yeah I mean you can have bodily autonomy and not get up in the middle of like Sunday night family dinner to go and take a dump in the hallway bathroom right like it's <laughs> right. okay to uh, to put some you know concessions around these things yeah especially if it makes you more comfortable but i think sin said something that's really really important to kind of focus in on for a second she said catch my husband well it's not really about catching right but that's a good point to kind of stick on for a second is um i think it's okay for individuals to do what they want to do within the context of the relationship but then once you start talking about lying or deceiving or doing it behind somebody's back then it gets a little bit trickier and the problem is a lot of times it's because of the shame and because of not wanting to start the arguments or make your spouse uncomfortable. And so that's where I, I think going back to that conversation, like I think Sin and her partner do it perfectly where it's like, hey, this is something I'm going to be doing. And she says, OK, I just don't want to walk in on you doing it. So let's let's schedule some times where it's comfortable for you and comfortable for me. But the conversation is being had. Mm-hmm. Right. And I yeah. think oftentimes what gets um, people in trouble. And I'm not going to say guys, cause it's women too. Like we women oh, are just yeah. as guilty of hiding things or doing things behind our partner's back that we think they might dislike, um, especially in terms of porn, that it's, it's better to have that first uncomfortable conversation that breaks the ice than to have that really awkward moment where they walk in on you. And now there's a fight and the relationship's falling apart yeah. and there's sure. no trust, you know, my conversation's making, always making assumptions about, Oh, my partner's definitely not going to be okay with me jerking off to porn. So now I have to mm. hide it. Like you haven't yeah. even talked to them. You don't even know. That would hurt a lot more than like it would hurt me more to just know that they felt that way about me without even giving me a chance or talking to me about it. You know, that's where like the pain would like <laughs> the emotional pain. Yeah. Well, we do have some good callers on the line. So um, I think it would be a good opportunity now to kind of shift gears and maybe take a couple of calls. Yeah. Uh, who you got for us? We have crafty he him pronouns in massachusetts and his question is is fetish art that overlaps with realistic body types or features um problematic for people who have them so yeah hi welcome to the show hello thank you for taking my call Um, absolutely i'm an illustrator (laughs) Uh, i'm an adult illustrator and i've actually like personally been confronted with with this idea before um specifically um and this was even before um trans people became the the rights punching bags uh, the um folks who have um m- gender characteristics from from multiple genders specifically um say that by fetishizing um a body type with breasts and male genitalia um that that is or even adding uh an adding a vagina, um, that that is problematic for people who 
um, have multiple sex characteristics. And that was just one of the examples, but I could see as how it could be applied to um, all sorts of things. Like we already know that um, things like Asian fetishes, for example, can be problematic, um, maybe mostly on the personal level, um, but I, I, I yeah, got some I, direct critique there about that and was wondering what your takes were. Sure. No, I, I don't think that we ever really need to come in from the outside and just say like blanket bad never for anyone ever under any circumstances. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you know, it is important to recognize the harm that can be done by fetishizing particular body types or a particular type of person. Uh, we, we've talked on this show before about uh, concerns around racial identities and how we can obsess over them. And uh, we had a, a really beautiful conversation with Chelsea Poe about trans women and their depictions in pornography. And there's some, you know, really important stuff to be looking at there. But I, I hate the notion that it would be just against the rules to ever explore in fantasy or through art. I mean, that's what art is for. It's to show us the things that we are curious about, that we are afraid of, or that we're just trying to wrap our poor little ape brains around. Yeah, and that's interesting too. When you when you talk about fetish um, and kink, a lot of a lot of what gets missed in the conversation is that people can't really choose like on a whim who and what they're attracted to and what. Um, sure. what yeah. they enjoy looking at. And so there's a difference between objectifying a certain body type and kind of shaming the person or, or kind of over glorifying them to the point of fetishism where they stop feeling human and start feeling like an object or <clears throat> body positivity where it's like there's all these different body types and there's these all this range of people that are attracted to all these different body types and to celebrate that. Celebrate. Right. And so like like if I'm attracted to men, women and trans men and trans women of all different like whatever the, the mix of body types, genitalia, whatever, is it OK for me to be attracted to men but not trans men? Right. Like would I, would I be fetishizing the trans man but not fetishizing the man? So I think it all comes down really to how that person is being treated. And I mean, this is just mm. my, my layman's perspective. I could be dead wrong, but I think <laughs> if we're portraying stuff in art tastefully, if we're doing it with body positivity, if we're mixing in other types of body types, rather than like doing it in a way that might be offensive or, or trying to make some sort of statement that would dehumanize the person. And again, like, you know, that's just, I think that's a problem that people just have with porn in general, not the type that you're producing. Um, you know, they'll use anything to say you're objectifying these people. Mm -hmm. You know, usually it's used uh, w with women are the, you know, hammer that they're using to bash this fucking nail is like, how dare you enjoy porn uh, of any type? How dare you enjoy, you know, looking at a woman's naked body? Now you're objectifying her and you're taking away her agency and you're, right. you know, uh, hurting the feminist movement and, and it's just like it's such a, an, an overreaction with a lack of consideration um, and again you know I think it's great what you both said about like it's you know are you celebrating these differences are you uh, you know celebrating people who are like this of course um, you can't be a cartoon but you know <laughs> uh, or are you you know sort of denigrating it or, or you know ch cheapening it or whatever um, for, from what it sounds like to me in your description is you're doing this in a really respectful way that celebrates uh, fantasy and also, um, you know, these sort of body differences, almost like normalizing that a woman can have big breasts and a penis. Like I know lots of them. So I, I think, you know, it's, it's all about the way you're looking at things. And that's sort of how I would respond to those criticisms that you're getting. Exactly. All those things uh, are the ideas that go through my head when I, when I work on any commission, even before I 
take a commission for art. And I always try to hang my hat on respectability and um, making sure I'm not, you know, objectifying as much as I acknowledge that there is a, a kind of objectification that goes along with making a pinup, you know, or yeah, making and, a comic yeah. where something is happening. Somebody is engaging in something that they have said, this is my thing. This is my kink. Um, I like large lower lips and I don't care who it's on. You know, yeah, right. Kind of and I, and that's something that you know. Again, we always talk about Dan Savage here, but he, you know, he talks about like object being objectified. He's like, sometimes you know, we are objects. I am a body, a human body, and sometimes it makes me feel good to be treated like objects. You know, um. So I think which I think what you're doing is fine. And also, there is a category of porn called futinari, which I have performed in, where I had a big gigantic cock that came and squirted buckets up to the ceiling and. It was fun. <laughs> uh, it was just done in like a, you know, um, almost irreverent fun. Yeah, I think it's yep. fine. To... I, I do hyperfuda art from time to time as well. So that is definitely uh, in my wheelhouse. And and the folks that had that criticism leveled at me, I think you're right. It's just a generic uh, criticism against porn or possibly porn that had hurt them as individuals, which is yes. something I never want to do. But I know that there's always going to be somebody who takes offense just from any kind of visual representation because possibly they see their own flaws in that and mm. and have trouble separating the two. but i also see it as very cathartic for the individuals who commission the art um so much there's an outlet yeah it's just as an outlet i feel human beings for the most part genuinely need to be able to um to say to another human being, I like this. Can you draw this for me or or make a video or something for me where this transpires? I don't want it to be dark. I don't want it to be angry. I just want X, you know? And I think that's that's an outlet that just about everybody needs. Or even if they do want say. it dark and angry. I mean, honestly, just being, being yeah. honest about people's preferences being their preferences without trying to shame the person as much as, you know, it, it kind of works both ways, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, and I can, I can draw dark and angry. I tend not to take those commissions because I don't personally enjoy creating that oh, no, art. But I have seen yeah. art like that where, yeah, even if it is a little bit violent, it, it's still in some way respectful and it still manages to be uh, quality art. And you Very know, much, as an art yeah. nerd, that's and important to me. I look at some violent pornographic art and I enjoy it quite a bit. So <laughs> I honestly think if there's a place to do yeah. violence and taboo safely, it's within the arts, right? Like Absolutely. You're yeah, that's what it's here for. It's a form of play. Some, yeah. Yeah. If, it, if it's going to be harmful to play out in real life, but you're doing it in an artistic form instead and not hurting anybody, I actually think it's all the more important. Same. Yes. Exactly. Absolutely. Thank you. Exactly. How I like <laughs> all right. Well, all right. thank you very much. Thank that you. was thank you so that much for the my call. question perfectly. Mm-hmm. You have awesome. a great night. Yeah. Okay, we have up next, um, we have Kiana, and she, her pronouns from Arkansas, and she has questions about defining sexuality, which I think goes right in line with our next caller, so I think it'd be, a, or our last caller, so I think it'd be a really good lead-in. Sure. So, Kiana. Awesome. Kiana, you're on the line with us. Thanks for calling. Hi. Uh, well, thank you guys for answering. I honestly didn't know if I was actually going to get on. Oh, well, I, I think your question is fantastic. Yeah. Nice to hear your voice. <laughs> well, um, I'm just curious, like, what defines your sexuality? Like, um, is it, like, what you're attracted to? Like, personally, me, I'm a t- physically attracted to women, but, like, I've never felt a spark or anything like that with guys. 
Yeah. So it sounds like you're a lesbian. (laughs) Um, You know, I I think that that's, I think that that's kind of what defines it. But I I think it's also something that, you know, it's a little bit ephemeral. It's hard to nail down, perhaps. But um, what you think about when you're masturbating is a really great uh, metric, I think. I think also remembering that that sexuality can be really fluid. Oh, go ahead. Yes. Um, No, yeah. I I was was just about to say that, like... um... I've always entertained the idea of fluid sexuality, that it's not like a defined metric. Yeah, and, and really, you're the only one who gets to decide what your sexuality is. You know, from the outside, like we do have these agreed upon definitions of these words. And it's nice when we can all play nice with each other and communicate in ways that we can actually understand with one another. So when somebody exclusively dates men and then refers to themselves as a lesbian from the outside, we start to feel like, okay, maybe you're just fucking with me. But that doesn't by any means mean that simply dating a man no longer or like nullifies your lesbian identity ultimately your identity is yours and and you're the one who gets to communicate that to the outside world and you're not being disingenuine if you are perhaps a little fuzzy about it if you are perhaps uh, playing around with some of those ideas because they are very fluid and even if they weren't a moving target it's very very hard to see clearly it's very difficult to look at ourselves with any level of objectivity. I mean, half of the great work in psychology and philosophy really is about that very notion. And that's okay. These words are adjectives. They're not boxes. They don't have to be nailed to you. They're just a loose and vague way of describing you. Yeah. And I think a lot of, I love the way you put that. (laughs) A lot of people who have, you know, identified as gay or lesbian, um, but then they find themselves like feeling attracted to uh, the opposite sex uh, for one person or, and then they're like having this crisis of identity, you know, and it's just like, that's okay. (laughs) And it's okay for you to go ahead and be with that person. And it's okay for you to, if that relationship ends and then go back to same sex attraction, it's just, it's just attraction. And whatever mm-hmm. that attraction you're feeling at that time, you know, doesn't mean you're not who you think you are. It's just, it's just a little, um, these things are a little wonky, you know, <laughs> or they can be. Yeah. And it's interesting well, um, to add like there. I appreciate you guys answering my question, by the way. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Anytime, anytime. I know it's really complicated and there was even um, a question in chat about it. Like, can a person be attracted to a man, but only fall in love with women? And that's actually a yeah. really, really good question in line with exactly what you're asking is, um, your sexuality really is what you define it as and who we love, who we're attracted to, who we want to be romantic with, who we want to be sexual with. It can be a hodgepodge and mix of people. And what gets complicated is when we feel like we have to have the answer. Like we have to know what we want and we have to know how to label it. And if our label changes, we have to figure out how we're going to tell everybody that our label is changing. And oh my God, it's going to be so complicated. But really what it comes down to is just um, label it if you want to. Don't feel like you need to, right? And then mm-hmm. if it changes, don't be ashamed that it's that it's changing because yes. we could be one thing at one stage in our life and something completely different in the next. Or like like since that it could be like a specific person that that makes you have a sort of a change in in your attraction levels. So honestly, I think that we we give ourselves way too hard of a time, especially when it comes to the difference between love and attraction. Like we just make it so much more complicated than it needs to be. And that's the thing is just like, it's all okay. (laughs) 
just you know yeah that that's really what it comes down to is everything is fine it's just fine uh and it's nice if we can talk about it and having shared language makes talking easier and talking is nice but that's as far as it goes it's nice it's pleasant to be able to share these things with ourselves uh, and to use mm-hmm. words to do it but those words are just a tool you don't owe them anything right we still have okay. Kiana online I think we may have dropped her but yeah, Kiana, if you can hear us awesome did you have any questions for us any more questions um I mean a little off topic but uh I was thinking about it the other day so sin have you ever been on set and had the cameraman get like a boner and like <laughs> how does that even go down well, I mean, when it, when I'm on set with my husband, is like 95% of the time, yes. Um, but because he's yeah, I was going to say, she married her cameraman, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but when I'm on um, sets for other people, I have to tell you that if they're professionals and they've been doing this for a number of years, it's highly unlikely they're going to get a boner because this just, be- it can become um, another day at, jo- at the work. You know what I mean? Like, it's just another day at the job and, you know, they're not looking at it uh, for that sort of erotic satisfaction. They're just like, this is what I do for a living. And so it's very compartmentalized. So I don't think it happens too often. Um, And if it does or has, I am blessed to not notice. (laughs) (laughs) Consummate professionals. Yeah, I was was just thinking that could have got a little awkward, but of course, as a professional. Yeah, not 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 common, not anything I've noticed. And if you've been working in a kitchen for uh, a week or for 10 years, you know not to, just because you came in hungry, just reach your hand and start like eating right there on the line. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, like we yeah. can maybe be hungry at work, but if we've been working in restaurants for a while, it's uh, it's pretty likely that we're not going to be hungry once we get there. I like the your awesome. metaphor for that. Mm. Yeah, it's a good one. Um, yeah, thank you for the the call, Kiana. I really appreciate it. And those are some really good questions. Um, we are going to awesome. move thank on now. So yeah, thank you. Thank you. Um, we're going to move on now to the the commercials. So if there's anything that you missed last week in any of our shows, we have a little quick blurb of the things that you missed to encourage you to go back and hit them. <laughs> I would just love to let you know that uh, whether you choose to transition or whatever transition looks like for you, wherever you find yourself on your gender journey, uh, that if you are telling me right now that you're a man, you get to be a gay dude today. You are a gay dude. Pretending spirituality to date, like like the person they're interested in is spiritual and they're like, oh yeah, me too. John, you, you're a young man. I would never do that. You wouldn't do that? I would never do that. You meet a, a nice girl. She's got the crystals. She can like, go do her crystals. I study rocks. I know yeah. what the, I know what those crystals so really can, do. What begins at conception is a brand new piece of DNA. And DNA is a molecule. Mm-hmm. And you can't murder a molecule. And there's lots of models out there about our universe that don't involve a first cause in this way that you're you're yeah. trying to make a case for it, um, which is going great, by the way. The, the the thing that I am wondering is just where where is the, the evidence, though? Matt's point was that the fetus is not a sentient being. It has no awareness of itself being there. Well, actually, it's not my point, because I don't care if it's in there writing poetry and curing cancer. It doesn't have True. the right to use somebody else's body without their consent. But- All right. So I am really excited because we have more callers on the line. So we do have a lot more questions to get to, more discussions to be had. But first, I'd like to take at least one more caller. Um, We have Quarlo. Pronouns are he, him from Texas. 
Um, and I'm really excited to get this gentleman on because he used to own a small porn production company, and I'm very interested to hear what he has to say. Carla, welcome to the show. Hello, gentle persons. Thanks for taking my call. I've been waiting for an episode like this because back in 30 years ago, back in the early 90s, I started a little in-house uh, porn production, which by today's standards was barely R-rated. Uh, but I wanted to talk about the ethics of the porn industry and uh, how, how much it's changed. Uh, and I should tell you, I'm an old person. I'm an old fucker. I'm 64. So this was, this was pretty challenging for me thir 30 years ago. Uh, but I started writing short stories because I wasn't finding the kind of stories I wanted. Uh, so I started writing stories where the, the woman character in the, the erotica was the hero or the smart one, you know, or, or, the, or the savior, you know, of, of, of the story. And I sold every story I wrote. So then I thought, well, I'm not seeing the kind of erotica I want to see. And I was all about big breasts. So I... Kind of, kind of put my shingle out and started recruiting uh, unusually endowed women. Uh, I uh, would often interview the women, and you know, in the video. And it wasn't, "Have you ever had a threesome?" It's, "Do you? What is the negative attention? How do you feel about the negative attention? What's the worst mm. thing about having breasts mm. that size?" And and put a face on these women so that men knew this is a problem. Having having J cup sure. is a problem for women. I also paid royalties. To, uh, to the top models, and I have a money-back guarantee. <laughs> if, if, wait, what? What? <laughs> Sorry, I was... I'm oh, just, you just got sent all excited. Wow, <laughs> I cannot believe you, you did that. Like, you want to talk ethical. Amazing. Well, there was, you know, this was 92 when I started this little company, and there was, a, you know, the big houses, like Evil Angel, you know, there were so many Chuck trainers out there. There were so many people doing ill to women. Hmm. Um, and I, I, never, I never put the move on the models. I paid them royalties. I interviewed them as a real person. Oh, and I had a money-back guarantee. If you bought one of my tapes and you didn't like it, you send it back. I'll give you your money back. Wow. Oh, oh also, I, quite by accident... Um, I, in, I ended up doing the first video, I, as I say, I was all about huge breasts. And I did the, the first video I did was with Norma Stitz, who went on to get in the Guinness Book of World Records as having the world's largest breasts. And my gosh, she did. So anyway, I just want to say it, it can be done ethically. Uh, and, and like I say, this was basically just R-rated topless stuff. Mm -hmm. um, I didn't do any, any sexual activity. I mean, this was Texas in the 90s. <laughs> you don't, Which was you probably don't, risky you don't enough at that time, right? See, yeah, you don't, you don't want to see pitchforks and torches you know, out, outside your house you know, at, at this point. But the other thing I, I was going to say was I, the thing that amazes me about erotica or porn or whatever you want to call it is it has opened doors to me. Uh, it has expanded my, my sexual preference. Mm -hmm. I, I, there were things that I found once I discovered them visually, I didn't know I liked until I saw them. Hey. Is, is that a common experience? Does, does that happen? Oh, no question. Uh, you're you're actually uh, kind of cribbing from my notes for this uh, next section of the conversation <laughs> because I do think it's important that we ask ourselves like, okay, 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 if porn is, quote, acceptable, there still needs to be some return on investment. Like, what is the why of porn? And I think that there are a lot of good answers to that question, uh, but certainly one of them is to expand your mind and to recognize aspects not only of yourself, but also of the world around 
around you that you might otherwise be completely unfamiliar with. Like how many people in the last 20 minutes learned the word foodinaria and suddenly discovered that, yeah. oh goodness, maybe I need to yeah. open up I've, another I've tab. Been, I've, been spending a, I've been spending a lot of time with foodinari with, with, those, with those women in, in, uh, in uh, you know, uh, dungeons uh, with gigantic penises. It's fantastic. <laughs> it's awesome. Oh, yeah. And, you know, it kind of when we're talking about like, um, you know, you're mentioning that it can be done ethically. And, and I think I think at these days we know we know that. Uh, and um, some it just made me think about something like a study that I, I heard about and that, you know, a lot of the times the people who are the fans of porn, like not the people who just like watch it casually, but people who uh, follow their favorite porn stars interact with them on like maybe only fans or Twitter, um, and then go to conventions like porn conventions. Um, part of the way the study was like uh, asking questions about you know sort of feminism and how they felt about porn stars and stuff like that. And the the men who would go to these conventions like by and far rated way way higher in in like basically their feminism, mm-hmm. basically their like understanding of women's you know autonomy and quality <laughs> and things like this. So you know I think that goes really a long way to show that uh, that black and white sort of binary way of looking at porn as like it's either good or it's bad or you know unethical Um, it's so limiting because it's obvious and clear that a lot of people watch it and feel like reverent Um, in the same way where you watch a basketball game and you look up to sports player Um, Yeah, I think see I think everybody's got is, their own d- different kinks. Sorry. Yeah, one one thing that's really really great about this is we were just talking about um like fetishizing people and whether or not it's okay to like put too much emphasis on one body type or another. But what you did is like you had this um desire that you didn't really see represented in the porn industry, and so you decided to represent it, but you did it in a way that was more honoring the women. And that's mm-hmm. something that we tend to um kind of miss the point of. We kind of tend to think that because a person is showing off their body that they're being exploited, um or or that that somehow it's not it's not ethical or they're being treated badly and that's not necessarily the case right and so what what you've done is kind of illustrated the line between um or rather the distinction against fetishizing a person versus honoring body types and using porn as a way of honoring certain kinds of sex and sexuality and certain kinds yes. of body types and, and stuff because you just don't see it in in everyday media the way that you can't appreciate it in the same way and honoring the the agency of the performers to say yes to things that are exciting to them you know you mentioned evil angel and yeah there's been a ton of evil angel tends to err on the side of uh more aggressive right but i've made dozens and dozens of movies for evil angel directors and you know especially in my earlier days when i identified more as a sub i was like yes please spit on my face and hold me down by the throat and you know like i want to feel this way because Mm. i enjoy feeling that way um and then for you know outside viewers to look at that and claim on my behalf that i'm being um abused or uh degraded it's like well yeah but i signed up for this degradation because it turns me on you know what i mean Mm -hmm. and because i have autonomy like even if you fucking hated it which you know we would hate that for you but even if you were miserable you are making your own choice we've talked before about the coercive nature of our society and and the realities of capitalism etc but it is absolutely denying people particularly women their autonomy to suggest that yes beautiful well things things have changed a great 
great deal now in, in that thanks thanks to the the interweb, the performers themselves are so much more in control of of what they do. Mm-hmm. I, I think, and Evil, Evil Angel, I, it, I don't know, I haven't followed it very closely, but back in the day, Evil, and this, I'm talking 30 years ago, Evil Angel was was pretty bad. You know, it was a pretty bad company. But I think things have changed. You know, I think that now that women have more, any performer has more uh, self self direction and autonomy uh, in what they do and who they do it with is a great thing. Totally, and I know a lot of uh, Evil Angel has hired lots of female directors too these days. And so, um, but you know, I think just porn as an industry. When I think about porn in the '90s, I have a completely different vision than in the early 2000s when I entered versus the 2010s, where you know we're kind of like on the tail end of that now. Um, each of those, you know, eras, uh, it, it was a different picture was painted of, of mm. pornography, and I think that kind of shows that it's evolving you know and thoughts are evolving and i think as a culture we're trying to evolve trying some people are trying really hard to keep that from happening. yeah <laughs> right but i think everything sort of goes towards um goes towards more acceptance and progress uh no matter how hard they're trying to back well the, the, you know things have changed so much my my introduction to written erotica uh, was through mainstream bestseller novels like the patriot or the godfather and there's some pretty explicit uh, sexuality in those. Uh, and I thought, wow, this is cool. <laughs> this is really interesting. Yeah, uh, I remember uh, uh, when I was in eighth grade, a girl brought a romance novel. To, and she was, she was reading this passage and then like more kids were going around to her. And then like the teacher was like, what are you guys looking at? And then he took the book and got in the front of the class and started reading the passage. And we were so embarrassed and we like ran out of the classroom. But I'm like, that was 100% pornography. Like they were talking about penises and vaginas, very explicit, you know, but it was a romance novel. So somehow that was, you know, okay. But, (laughs) and it is. (laughs) It'll be interesting to see the future. It'll be interesting to see the future of pornography. Oh, and as a side note, you, you probably all know about the Henry um, Miller v. California decision that established the three-pronged test for, for obscenity. What if that case were to come up before this Supreme Court? Can you imagine? Yeah, that notion of things devolving uh, very quickly does come to mind. It's, uh, uh, it is scary to think about how much 50-year-old precedent might be vulnerable right now. Uh, but, oh, my God, we... Uh, <laughs> We had just a brief moment of enjoying talking about porn, and then all of a sudden, government came back into it. Huh. Oh, you you wrote the you wrote the word tits. It's pornography. Get rid of it, <laughs> well, guys. I will thank thank you thank you so much. I've waited for this opportunity to to talk to talk about um, erotica, but you published erotica, and uh, I really appreciate you letting me on. Oh, by the way, by the oh. way, you're all too young to remember this, but my name Quarlo. Outer Limits episode, Quarlo Clopregni, R-E-M-T-N-D-O. Anybody reference that? Oh, no. Praise no. God. I, I do enjoy maybe the two Outer or three Limits. Episodes but, outer limits. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> From the 90s. You children, you children. It, it's a Harlan Elf episode <laughs> called Soldier with Michael and Sarah. Anyway, that's where I got the name. Uh, General Persons, thank you so much for having me on. Hey, thank, thank you. you for Take the call. Care. I appreciate it. All right. Well, uh, we, uh, we've got a couple more great calls on the line, and there is a lot to get into, but I can't walk away from this conversation without at least checking in on what y'all's thoughts are about what porn can be used for. Like, what is it good for? 
Yeah, I think it's got a lot of application, but um, honestly, I want to go back just for a second in answering your question to the conversation we had earlier about couples, right? Mm. We talk a lot about couples and porn in terms of is one of the partners typically like stereotypically the male, right? Um, Consuming porn and how does the female feel about it? But porn, I think, can be very, very useful as a couple's tool, right? Mm. Both Mm -hmm. to communicate about sex, to examine or explore sex, determine what they like or don't like. Um, to have discussions. So you're discussing something that someone else is doing on a screen, which separates you from your own kink. And it makes it a little bit easier to, to talk about um, like, Hey, do you like what they're doing on the screen? And how does that make you feel? Um, and then you can kind of feel out like how you, how you communicate off of that. Um, or it could just plain old be something that couples just enjoy together to either get things started or, or just as a fun um, sexual pastime. So um, I wanted to throw that out there first because i know there's a lot of other applications for porn but we talked so much earlier about about couples and how porn can be destructive in a relationship and i think there's a lot of ways where it can be constructive so much and um you know almost used as a marital aid what they would sure vibrators sometimes um and so i mean it just you know performing for many 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 years i can tell you that i have gotten lots of emails from the male uh, side of a couple uh who is just like my wife loves you we watch you together it like watching you together has made our relationship stronger I mean I've gotten tons of emails like that and so I think it's like when especially when we allow for that sort of freedom of exploration with our relationships um, and not being judgmental of our partners when they maybe ask Mm -hmm. about trying things like this um, it it can really like elevate what you have and so I think uh, application in that sense for sure yeah yeah no no question and uh it doesn't need to just be limited to sort of that traditional notion of quote pornography or you know the the video clips of what three to twelve minutes that are usually populating the front loading page of whatever website (laughs) happens to be yours uh because there are so many things that couples can explore together through different forms of erotic art and through erotic mm-hmm. media you yeah. know we we talked a little bit before the show about that stereotype of uh the the man in a cishet relationship that is always like sneaking off and has that problematic relationship with porn or whose partner has a problem with their relationship with porn and like the mm-hmm. tension and the the notions of shrillness and everything that goes into that but there is the corollary of that stereotype which is the relationship where the man is always begging like please will you watch porn with me please will you watch porn with me and the the woman who perhaps wants to be sex positive or at least like cool or chill but really is not enjoying or comfortable with anything that they're seeing on the front page of Pornhub like to that couple I really want to stress that there are so many remarkable products out there again outside of Pornhub like some of this more artistic erotic audio or small studio Mm -hmm. or uh, you know, these dime store novels, like that's where these more uh, niche or alternative forms of pornographic media can be really valuable. Yeah. And I think too, that there's something to be said for that good giving in game, you know, Mm, sure. Maybe not a hundred percent of the time. Do I want to do this position that I know you love, but I'm going to do this position that I know you love like every once in a while, because I feel turned on and happy when I see my partner being turned on and happy. You know what I mean? I, and so I think we need to make some space for that. So maybe like be open to giving porn a chance. If you have that partner who's just like, please, will you do this with me? Like have, 
have some openness to um, do something to, to make your partner happy uh, and then see if maybe you can find something that you're okay with. But even in the end, you know, if, if you try it and you're just like, honestly, this just doesn't do it for me, um, then maybe it's something you do every few months to make your partner happy. Not 100% of the time, but just being a little less, you know, rigid about sure. things. It can add so much to your relationship and your communication overall and your health. <laughs> yeah. And, thing, and I mean, if there's I something think... you are allergic to, like it's very acceptable <laughs> right. to say we're not going to have that in the house. If they're, you know, if I'm going to go into anaphylactic shock every time somebody brings a kitten into the house, then we're just not going to compromise on not having a pet. We're just not going right. to have one. At the same time, if it's just a preference, if it's I prefer not to eat a lot of Chinese food, I much prefer Italian food or Mexican food, then yeah, I think we need to make a little bit of space for each other from time to time. But I think that, and this is where I agree, but I'm going to offer a little bit of pushback in terms sure. of knowing knowing the other person's um, history and relationship with sex and with porn, because um, oh, there God. could be a valid, yeah, there could be valid reasons why the, the, the woman or the man, like depending on who the partner is that's being um, asked to, to do the watching, there could be something there that there might be a reason for them, whether it's well, that, a that's sort of the allergy or, that I mean. If there is something yeah, that will like that send you into here. anaphylactic yeah. shock, then yeah, I think it's acceptable to say like maybe you go yeah, and right. eat that with somebody else or on the weekends, but don't, you know, bring it home to me or don't do anything that's going to cause me that danger. Totally. But then I would also go so far as to say the, the advice that I would personally give that individual is don't be afraid to explore your own relationship with this, with this topic. Right. So right, sure. like maybe the husband shouldn't be like, well, you need to get over it and you need to work through this and we need to, we need to make this, you know, not a problem anymore, but the, the woman or, or the other, like the person um, who has the problem being able to say, well, why is this a problem? And is this something I can yes. solve? Is it just a preference or is there actually a trauma or a trigger there that I really do need to deal with? Exactly. Because when you just let those triggers run the relationship, um, it's amazing how up. many problems are going to yeah develop. Yeah. yeah. Sure. So that's the thing to question where that is coming from and be like, mm -hmm. maybe I need to try some therapy to deal with this. But of course, <laughs> I think everyone should. <laughs> but yeah, um, and I think that's an important point, of course. Sure. Well, uh, just in, in the interest of time, I want to kind of hit on, I suppose, a few other ways or uses or, or purposes uh, for pornography. I mean, we we kind of vaguely mentioned the idea of exploring new thing, new kingdoms. Uh, I think that there's real value in the opportunity to use sexual material to sort of slow down your relationship with sexuality, you know, rather than uh, just coming to a immediate climax, actually having a prolonged erotic experience and giving yourself a like meaningful, maybe even if we want to use that kind of scary word, spiritual experience of your body. I, I think that there's a lot to be said for that, uh, whether we're talking about audio or video or, or any of these other things. Is there anything else that comes to mind for y'all about why porn can be useful or what it could be useful for. I mean, aside from the the super obvious, like it's just enjoyable for the person, right? Like, I mean, that's that's the the most obvious and kind of like cliche answer is like people just like it. Like, why 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 do I enjoy dramas or or love stories or romance novels, right? Like, some things just boil down to enjoyment. But I think one thing that we haven't really touched on that I think is poignant for a lot of couples, a lot of individuals, um, is to be able to explore a side of yourself. Like, we talk about exploring, like learning, but we might already know what our desires are. And it might be difficult to attain those desires, whether it's 
um, a, a, a certain um, sexual combination of genders that maybe you just like, so maybe you prefer women over men, but you don't have a girlfriend at the time or, or there's nobody um, available to you. And you're kind of like wanting that sexual release, but don't have the, the real life partner. Um, there could also be like situations that are really hard to foster. Like maybe they can be fostered <sighs> occasionally. Maybe they can't be fostered at all. Mm. So to have that porn there as a, it, it it's kind of a band aid in the sense that it's not the real thing, but um, there are times where it could, cover or round out a person's sexual experiences because um, there's limitations in real life. Totally. And like when you said that about the the limitations, it's like I know and have created tons of giant test porn. Mm. That is something that unfortunately you will never be able to access in real life. (laughs) (laughs) But with uh, the use of GoPros and some green screen special effects, things like that, you can live out those erotic fantasies through visual media um, and get that itch scratch and so I think uh just agree totally and it's nice you know or even like if you have a partner who's just maybe you talked about BDSM and you were like I love to try this but they're allergic to it because of trauma or whatever else Mm -hmm. and they're just like this is a big hard no for me well then I hopefully they would be okay with you at least looking at some of it um but getting that kind of that kind of release um from enjoying it visually and still being able to play in that space a little bit even if it's alone um that can just be so fulfilling so i think it's it's important for that too and i know that especially all of us porn performers really are always wanting to stress that we are not sex educators that porn should not be used mm. to learn about how to have sex but i think that if it's it's really depending on a lot of the creators where you're getting it again the front page of pornhub is not is not the archive of a lot of thoughtful type pornography sure. <laughs> it's kind of like lowest common denominator stuff but if you uh find into independent creators that you maybe like, like there can be something to learn from that. I I think um, if I'm going to just like toot my own little horn here a little bit, um, (laughs) I think that definitely, you know, uh, if you're maybe um, a younger like lesbian and you know that you feel you want to be with other girls, but you're just kind of scared and confused and don't know where to start. Like I think Mm -hmm. watching some of the stuff that I made, which I can almost guarantee you will never be on the front page of Pornhub, but like could be very useful in that sense um but it is a fine line and you have to be really careful with that Uh, and that could lead to so many more conversations about sex education and how i think that parents need to talk to their children about porn sure out there yeah. they're going to see it so you have to yep. have that conversation um and you know you shouldn't be looking at uh, the front page of Pornhub and think you're you know if you're a young gentleman and you think that oh this is how I have sex with women by choking them and spitting in their face like that's a problem <laughs> but there is some there are some things to to be learned um if you can find the rights <laughs> yeah yeah oh. well and not to mention uh you you talked about sex that you may not be able to have for yourself right now. Uh, and mm-hmm. Laura, you talked about how that might just be not where your life is at right now. And Sin, you mentioned that it might not even be like possible right now. 
But I, I think it's also worth recognizing that pornographic media is just different from real life human sex. Uh, and, mm -hmm. you know, there are so many different uh, ways to explore things that you couldn't experience in partnered sex. You know, whether we're talking about like the altered state of hypnotic media, for instance, mm -hmm. or talking about, uh, you know, some of these like simulated role plays and, and ASMR and like all of these different kinds of things can be unique experiences that are valid in their own right. So And valuable to have. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, you know, knowing that we're, we're getting close to the end of the show, we've got a few more calls on the line. I wanted to see if either of you could recommend or, or share any of your own experiences with some form of pornography that's, quote, like, not porn or porn-e. You know, is there anything that you wouldn't find on the front page of Pornhub or maybe even something that doesn't look like your traditional, uh, your traditional erotica, your traditional um, video that, that might be worth calling out? Laura, you first. Okay, so um, I I um, don't have a very, very specific example right off the top of my head. I would say that like porn in general has been very useful both to me personally and to my relationship. Um, so I will um, share that, which which could be uncomfortable for people. But um, it's kind of important to realize that relationships go through phases and they go through ups and downs. And um, when we went through a lull where we were like sexually connecting a little bit less, being able to use erotic materials or imagery or porn actually kind of helped us to liven things back up again. So um, I don't have a specific one. Like we really liked X, Y, or Z, but we did use a lot of um, exploring. Um, what is it called? The um, the Playboy, the Swingers um, house, the swing swinging house or swinging oh, house. Oh, sure, sure. Um, just to kind of educate ourselves and and spice things up a bit in terms of our conversation. And that I found actually really, really um, not to say you you were just saying porn is not educational. It was very educational. Yeah. <laughs> but it was educational well, for consenting adults who knew about sex and do we want to call it or, uh, do we want to call it porn when you are watching a very erotic and explicit how-to instructional informational video you know uh like yeah. when my partner and i watch a youtube tutorial on like how to give a massage or something like that mm. it is not inherently erotic but if we are watching a video on some other website that is about the exact same thing but now there is a lot of nudity and maybe it is a little bit more nasty than all of that is it is it somehow porn now like is it still instructional like you know what if it's a how-to peg somebody what if it is a how mm -hmm. to have like healthy safe enjoyable anal sex is that instructional is that pornographic like there's a there's so much more to quote pornography than than Pornhub and I, I know we keep saying that but I I don't know that we can't can ever say it too much the way our culture doesn't seem to recognize it yes I don't think we can say it too much <laughs> <laughs> Keep saying it. All um, right. Yeah. Anything else that y'all want to add before Laura jumps back on the phones? Oh, well, m quickly, like my Please. response to that question was that. Uh, so I have been involved in creating, vis uh, you know, video porn for 20 years. So uh, sometimes I think people are a little surprised to hear that I don't watch it. They're like, who's your favorite porn star? I'm just like, mm, me. Um, <laughs> like, I, I like it. <laughs> I don't, I'm not, uh, it doesn't do anything for me to watch porn. But what does do something for me are these, um, I got my first one when I went to my very first AVN convention 
convention in 2003 from a kinky company that was there. And it's um it's a color book and it's a comic book. And the illustrator, I will shout him out. His name is Gary Roberts. And it's the way that he draws the characters. So mm-hmm. there are a lot of comics like this. Um, and a lot of these comics that I like, so they are non-consensual. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but that like gets me wet. And because fantasies can live in my mind and yeah. they can be fucking awesome. Um, doesn't mean I want reality to happen like that unless it's set up, um, you know, consensual, non-consent. Right. But, still, still a fantasy. Yeah, it's a fantasy. And so uh, the way that he draws, the women are all very attractive and cute. And the, the men are generally like the bodies look kind of nice. Um, the faces are covered most of the time, which is totally mm. part of my fantasy. And um, some other artists who draw the same kind of stuff, uh, it really turns me off because they make sure that the men are really gross looking and the girls are complaining Mm. about how nasty they smell and stuff. And I'm just like instantly turned off. But something about Mm. Gary Roberts understands that women have these fantasies a lot. And it's almost like he writes catered to the female um, consumer of what he makes. Mm, And so mm -hmm. I've got several of his just like actual print copies of what he does. And so I don't uh, use that a lot. But like when I do, I just know that it's going to work for me uh, immediately. So (laughs) that's awesome. Yeah, there's there's something about sensuality and art that you almost Mm. don't even need like the video and you don't need the like the proverbial playboy pinup picture, right? Like Mm. there are ways to do sensuality. And so as you were talking, I was thinking about that, like, oh, oh, I have another one. I have another one. Because for me, I'm really, really into fantasy art. And it yeah. can be entirely non-sexual, but the way a person is positioned, their clothes, the look in their eyes even, yes. or how two characters might be looking at each other, even if they're not touching, can be very erotic. And so it's yes. it's interesting how visual arts um, can just be done in a way that's so sensual. Mm-hmm. All right. So we have more callers in the line. Um, I want to move to Brutus. Um, pronouns are he, him from Minnesota. And we're going to have kind of a, a shift in the conversation a little bit and talk about um, how different types of porn. He has a question about porn and how it affects us. So, Brutus, you are on the line with us. Actually, Thanks for calling. Howdy. Actually, there are a few things that the other guy, which, by the way, a lot of respect for the, for, uh, the dude from Texas. Sounds like an awesome guy. Sounds like a good man. Um, anyway, but we were, t- but you guys were just talking about different, uh, different f- uh, sort of functions and other reasons to look at porn aside from just kind of, uh, turning the, re- uh, turning the release valve for a bit. And, uh, one thing that I wanted to talk about is just a general sense of, um, having a certain subconscious mindset that can affect how you flirt with people, how you deal with people and that sort of thing. And like, if you're somebody who, like if you're somebody who dates primarily or entirely women, women tend to be a little bit more demisexual than men. And so that general energy that you have um, has a much bigger impact. And like me personally, depending on where my head's at, I can be, I've been everywhere from just hopelessly awkward to super duper charming and everything just happens easily. Um, now I'm sure you guys know about stuff like NoFap and stuff like that. And I think that one of the things that they kind of get wrong, and this does come somewhat from shame and that sort of thing, because I think one, uh, confounding variable in all of this is just, you said as that man, like even as an 11 year old, I got caught with porn once and I was like, you need to find yourself a girlfriend. And I was like, I'm 11. Um, but, yeah. uh, <laughs> 
but I think that, uh, but I think that, uh, but I think that sometimes, uh, the actual problem can be that. And while there's nothing wrong with just like looking at something purely to get yourself off, I think with a lot of porn, it, it was a lot of porn or just your own thoughts. Um, as a guy, especially since we tend to be a little bit more on the allosexual side, we tend to just think of like body parts like boobs bouncing and stuff like that. And we subconsciously start to disconnect body parts from the person that we're flirting with or talking to. And I think this is how you get guys who send like overly lewd drunk texts because they're just thinking of what their dick wants at the moment instead of thinking, what is this? What's going to bounce back and forth with this human being? And like with me personally, um, with my porn consumption, I'm like, e- there's only so much you can study yourself and do scientific experiments on yourself. But for me, it is very much a more meditative practices in many ways. Like I will exclusively read erotica that is somewhat realistic or straight up an actual story. And since like I was a swinger, I've done BDSM, I've done the sex parties, and I've, I mostly date pervy women because I personally love pervy women, and in part just because it's very endearing uh, Like when women get thirsty over you because it kind of reminds you that, oh yeah, people do look at me the way I look at certain people. And it's yeah, an appealing it's notion. Yeah. Sorry, Laura, you go yeah. ahead. Yeah. Oh, no, I was just going to say, like, we, we're coming to the end of the show, so we got to go kind of rapid fire on it. And I, I like the points that you're making, um, but I want to kind of interject just a little bit so we can get some conversation flowing um, and let, them let you go for the end of the show. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm wondering, is there, like, a specific question that ties into all of this? Are you, are you making a statement about your porn consumption and how it changes how you act towards people? Or was there, like, a question? Well, I just wanted to talk about what what did you guys think? What would you guys think of the idea of porn that's more geared around subconsciously helping somebody with their state of mind and flirting, and just with being somebody who's more um, somebody who just is better at being on a wavelength of somebody or having that certain energy to them? Um, because yeah, uh, I mean, I, I don't know that the, porn the, is going to teach you how to be as uh, suave oh, and no, charming no, 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 any more no, no, no. than, you know, old oh, Frank no, Sinatra no, movies no. will. So that's not to say that, that it can't or that it won't. But, you know, I also don't know how effective of a strategy that really is. Uh, if we try and look at that on some sort of like subliminal level or, or subconscious level, the way that you're, you're maybe suggesting. Yeah, sure. I mean, watching Mickey Blue Eyes be charming for several hours might have some influence on you but i i would be really careful in extrapolating it much beyond that yeah because i um, because there was one thing too it's just like with with me personally like growing up i always um sort of to kind of um observe that the that frequently masturbating or looking at porn would kind of mess me up with certain women i was talking to or i'd feel like it did and I think sure. this is what happens with a lot of guys who like believe in no fat and stuff like that. Like they will. Yeah, we, we get in our head. Like, We're looking for it. any sort of superstitious explanation for why we struck out. And and you can't blame somebody for wanting some sense of an explanation, even though the reality is, is that it's probably random. It's probably outside of your control. And the best medicine is usually to find a little bit of acceptance around that and to move forward. But I, I recognize how difficult that can be. I mean, I work with men every day who are just frustrated that they didn't get 
asked out for that second date or they didn't say what they wanted to say. And it can be frustrating to not know why. Wanting to, to try and control or game that process is natural. But I, I don't yeah. know uh, yeah. how much utility there, there really is here for that. Uh, that being said, also... it's a it's an interesting question. So I appreciate you raising it, even if uh, we're, we're just about to have to wrap up. Uh, but Laura, you have the final word. Yeah, I'm actually because we're coming to the end of the show, I'm actually going to let you go. But then I want to give um, myself and Sin a chance to kind of respond to that because I know I myself have something to say and I'm sure that she has something to contribute as well. So I wanted to thank you for the call. And then we're going to answer um, the rest of it offline as we wrap the show up. Um, so, yeah, thank you for calling. Um, but I would say we have in this culture a really, really, really unhealthy relationship with sex as a culture. So we have a tendency to wrap sex up in all these other issues, right? And so what you might have is you might have like a specific behavior that is a symptom of something else, whether it's like an insecurity or an anxiety or where your parents treated you or a trauma as a child and you have a behavior. You might have one that overlaps also into the sexual realm, like behaviors that are in, in your sexual um, section of your life. But just masturbating alone, I would never, ever, ever say is like directly the result of any sort of cultural awkwardness or whatever. It's something that, that we're taught is unnatural that mm, is natural. Mm -hmm. So sure. I wouldn't specifically categorically exact same space as whatever social anxieties or awkwardnesses that somebody is experiencing, but there could be other overlaps into their sexual life that, that does maybe come from the same source. One way or another, they're both symptoms of a problem. They're not the problems themselves. So that would be something that's kind of worth looking into, like talking to a therapist about or just exploring in your own mind why you have those, um, what, what you would call like awkward um, experiences with women and then what you could do about it. Mm -hmm. And yep. Sin, did you want to add anything else? <laughs> I don't know. That one, uh, it was a little, couldn't quite nail it down. What was the topic? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, not a clear thesis. Uh, a lot right. of interesting ideas, some of which I, I might push back on, but uh, in the interest yeah. of time, let's uh, let's maybe take one last call and uh, start to head out for the night. Yeah. Yeah, we have Jeff on the line. Jeff, thank you so much for being patient. Um, he, him pronouns and wants to talk again. We've been talking about fetishizing. So he wants to take that question and ask some more um, questions around fetishizing. So Jeff, sure. thanks for calling. Jeff, are you still there? Okay, so it looks like we may yeah. have lost Jeff. Yeah, unfortunately. The good news about that, that's really unfortunate, but we have talked about it a little bit in the show. So hopefully sure. throughout the time that he was on hold, maybe we answered some of his questions. Um, yeah, if not, uh, do you guys have any any thoughts to add about fetishizing people, whether or not porn does that, whether it's good or bad? Well, I'll, I'll clarify that uh, Sin and I talked about this with Arden in a uh, in one of my favorite episodes, and I will make sure that that is linked in the, uh, the show notes for this one. So if you want to have a, a longer exploration of that idea, yeah, it's well worth your time. Uh, but in the meantime, Sin, what would you say? You know, it's just, it's so tough because I think and feel and wish that we would be capable of doing both, if that makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. like, yeah, I think there's a space where it is okay to fetishize something um, because that's just what turns you on. But the, again, the problem comes when we uh, strip that human being of their humanity uh, and and just replace that with the fetish. Um, and uh, that's just so difficult to think like, where is that line? You know, so it's, it's for example, it's those men watching trans porn in Texas or um, uh, Florida and then being totally cool with jerking off to it and uh, putting deleting it and putting that away and then walking into their job as a politician and voting to strip rights from trans mm -hmm. 
Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. Like that's when, you know, that's when it's problematic. That's when you uh, erase the humanity of that person in favor of um, getting off uh, of the fetish uh, that that person may might embody for you. Um, So, you know, it's the same thing with, um, with uh, race issues. And, you know, so fetishizing Asian people or black people, but and it's okay for you to jerk off to that shit. But then you leave that and go out into the world and you're a piece of shit racist who doesn't think they deserve the same rights as white people or whatever. So I I think it's like we need to align our values, uh, you know, internally and, um, you know, enjoy what you enjoy, but then recognize there's humanity behind that, too. And uh, that'd be a nice step in the right direction. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) I I don't want to like overly repeat everything that we said on on that last conversation, Sin, but uh, it really sticks out in my memory because there were at least two pieces that I thought were so uh, beautiful, which at the top, we talked a little bit bit about Esther Perel and that uh, reality that in order for two to become one, they have to be separate in the first place. Like we have to be able to uh, somewhat objectify our partners, but it's a, it's a tense push and pull that has to be done like mindfully and, and carefully. Yeah. Uh, and by that same token, we, we talked a little bit about uh, kink.com uh, back in the old days and the way that they would have these uh, like interviews on camera with performers, just sort of reminding everybody, this is play acting. This is not for real. We can absolutely brutalize each other and it's fun and it's fine and it's great and it's wonderful in the exact same way that we can like murder people in a Shakespearean play by not actually Mm -hmm. murdering them, right? Right. We don't actually hurt each other uh, or at least Mm -hmm. not in ways that are are damaging or or problematic. So uh, objectification to me, that's what it comes down to. Is somebody being harmed and are we remembering their humanity even if we might be play acting or sort of enjoying temporarily forgetting in these like managed ways. Yeah, very, very good points. Um, So as we come to the end of the show, I want to just do a quick shout out for our different links so you can figure out where to find us and come join us for more conversations later or to come and um, hit the material that you haven't seen um, or even watch this episode again to catch anything that you may have missed. Um, So first we have tiny.cc slash AEN podcast. And that's a great place to see all of our shows. Um, anything the ACA puts on, be it Atheist Experience, Talk Heathen, Truth Wanted, you name it, all the episodes go there. So you can catch all the past episodes of all the shows. Um, we also have a Facebook group for Secular Sexuality um, where we post a lot of interesting questions, whether it's um, the the ACA um, volunteers or whether it's um, other fans. There's a lot of good questions up there. So if you want to take part in conversation outside of our Thursday shows and kind of keep it going during the week, hit up Secular Sexuality Fan Group on Facebook. Um, we also have a Discord where a lot of people, be it fans or hosts or volunteers in the background, um, we all get on there and we chat and there's there's a lot of interaction going on. Um, so if you want to check us out there and get in on the interaction or just listen in, um, you can catch us at tiny.cc slash ACD Discord. Um, And that's where you'll find channels for just about everything. So if you have a specific interest beyond just secular sexuality um, into some other secular topics, um, we've probably got a channel for it. Um, Lastly, if you want to catch any of our merchandise, um, especially the new stuff that we've got up this month, check us out at tiny.cc slash merch ACA. And we've got a really awesome new What's Turning You On shirt. 
So check out what's old, what's new, get a mug, get some shirts and show off your support to secular sexuality. Um, Last, but absolutely not least, perhaps even most important, we have the people in the background that are making our faces appear on the show. So I want to shout out the crew cam. Hello. Hey, thank, thank you, you so much. All the hard work you guys do. Um, without <laughs> them, there wouldn't be an us. So, mm-hmm. um, and you guys do not understand how hard they work in the background. So thank you, crew. Um, any closing thoughts before we go? Yeah, I mean, I just want to continue to encourage people uh, to diversify their diets as much as possible. You know, every nutritionist you've ever spoken to has encouraged you not just to eat your vegetables, but to eat the rainbow, to have as many different experiences as you can. It's good for your health. Uh, And your friendly neighborhood internet sex therapist is telling you the exact same thing. Eat the rainbow, whatever that means to you. Absolutely. <laughs> the rainbow. Love it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, any uh, any other thoughts come to mind? Anything else that y'all, any final impressions y'all would like to leave the audience with before we start to wrap up? Eat the rainbow. Sure. No, yeah, I well, would say Fair enough. Yeah, that's uh, as good advice as any. So now comes your opportunity to take all of this good information that you've been learning and uh, put it into practice, I guess. You know, pull up uh, your favorite comic book or your partner's favorite ASMR role play. Uh, if you're brave, maybe Google the word Fudinari or Gary Roberts. And uh, however you choose to do it, take a moment and uh, and give yourself a big old orgasm. Or better yet, give somebody else one. Somebody else one. <laughs> Watch Talk Heathen live Sundays at 1 p.m. Central. Visit tiny.cc slash YTTH and call into the show at 512-991-9242 or connect to the show online at tiny.cc slash call TH. Amplify your career through training and development solutions specifically designed for federal government professionals. From courses to help you attain or retain certification, to individualized coaching services, to programs that hone your leadership skills and business acumen, Management Concepts optimizes your professional development. Online, in person, individually, or groups, it's training that's measurably better. Learn more at managementconcepts.com. That's managementconcepts.com. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus.